Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. I pray that you've had a great Memorial weekend. You had plenty of time with your family, and I know the weather was a little uh, maybe rough or rainy, but hopefully you still were able to have your family with you, and you had a good uh, Memorial weekend. And uh, I know we're we're closely approaching, uh, hopefully, the close of this phase one. Hopefully, we'll know uh, by the next week. The first part of June, I think, is what the governor was saying. And uh, the way I'm looking at it, maybe just one more Sunday. I know it's been difficult and a challenge, uh, all the different uh, exiting and entrancing and, and the washing down of hands and all this kind of stuff. I know it's been a little taxing, and, and uh, but I appreciate all of you that have, again, been so faithful and just hanging in there with us in all of this. Hopefully, it'll be coming to a close, and like I said, maybe... Maybe this upcoming Sunday could be the last Sunday and we could enter into a new phase and things can get back to how we commonly like it and know it us all being together. So hang in there, be encouraged. I pray these Wednesday night Bible studies has been an encouragement to you. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've gleaned some understanding uh, for my own self. Uh, and tonight I believe it's not going to be any different. Uh, we're going to pick up with James again. I stopped with verse 13. And uh, we're going to pick up there and go into 14 and hopefully a little bit further. And uh, that's always my intent. Don't always get there. But it's always my intent uh, to get a little bit further. Because I see down the road I've done read into some of these scriptures. And I'm anxiously wanting to, to get into them. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, get them, make them ready. We're going to read out of James chapter 1 again. And I'm going to start with verse 13. I want to pray before we get started that God would help us tonight. Jesus, I thank you for another privilege and opportunity to read your word, hear your word, and to study your word. I ask you tonight that you would help us, lead us, and guide us. That God, we're not just doing this for naught. We're not doing this to fill time and, and a calendar. But God, we're hungry for your word. And I express that today for us as a people. Speak to us tonight through your word. Let it be clear. I ask you in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 13. I stopped. I covered it very extensively last time. Uh, I'm just going to touch it. Make sure we're all on the same page. Let no man say that when he's tempted... I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. And we closed out uh, with, with that verse, and basically James was very emphatic in his uh, approach. I, I told you that 12 and 13 were transitional uh, scriptures, that, that God was, or James was trying to transition uh, his people from going from an external uh, trial and distresses that they had been under and he used the word temptation when in that first few verses 2, 3, and 4 it meant distresses but now in verse 12 I think it is where he's beginning he said blessed is the man that endureth temptation these are transitional or a transitional verse verse 12 uh, leading them into verses 13 and 14 a different type of temptation and here's the basic takeaway I'll make it real simple the first part the word temptation was used in more of an external means trials of life and problems and these things but as a as a man of God and James I, I want to say knowing his people he un, and understanding even people 
that not only do we fight external problems and distresses and trials of life, we battle internal temptations and struggles. And this verse 12, he said, blessed is the man. That's why we titled it, testing will bring about a blessing. And where that came from was verse 12. He was saying there's a blessing in all of this. So he's transitioning uh, and telling us there's a blessing in it. But now he's, he's shifting gears to the internal part of it. And this is where verse 13 picks up, and he very emphatically uh, begins to state that God uh, can tempt no man. Let no man, very emphatic, nobody, no man, say that when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. I read uh, these different translations for verse 13. If any person passes through such difficulties and feels that he is being induced to do evil, he must not say it is God who is tempting me to do evil. For God himself is never tempted or no temptation to himself, and he tempts no man. The translation uh, for the scriptures in verse 12 and 13, uh, I summed it up here by saying, or just writing down this statement, that we have external, saying that we have external difficulties. Let them have their work, but let the evil inclinations or sinful inclinations that are surfacing in the difficulties make sure that we don't say that this is God because God tempts no man. He allows difficulty to come to prove our genuineness of faith. So in verse 13, the writer is now shifting from uh, or, or shifts in the way that he uses the word test from an external trial to be endure or to endure uh, things from an external, but now to an internal temptation that is supposed to be resisted. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I've got a lot of writing, and as you know, I don't do good when I when I gotta read it. I want to catch the spirit of it. Is is what I'm uh, aiming to do, and I want you to to do the same. What he's saying in all of this is in verse 13, and I'm going to move now to 14, is that these internal or these external temptations or tests are going to come. And what he wants us to do is endure them. That's what I just read. But now he's shifting in verse 14, and now he's going to deal with internal temptations. Different word meaning, the context uh, defines that now it is a different meaning of temptation. And now it's going from enduring to I've got to resist. So I hope that makes sense. Verse 14 now. So now James says, but every man is tempted. So he tells us from the very beginning, every man is going to be tempted. But again, keep in mind that his context here in temptation is he's dealing now with internal. That when these things begin to come and trials and storms begin to come, that I don't look at this and say, okay, now I'm going to blame God for it, but now I, I, I let the, the trial, let it have its work. But what happens is many times, and James understood the dynamics of humanity, that many times we get in these situations, we get in these circumstances, and we want to maybe blame God. And then what curtails it or makes it even more challenging is we start seeing a rise of emotions in us that we thought were dead. You know, I know when you, you and I first get the Holy Ghost, uh, it's like, man, we're excited and pumped up, and, and rightfully so. It's a great experience. We've experienced a new birth, and we feel a change in our life. But then what happens is as time begins to progress, 
the life difficulties are still there. Well, it's okay because they're sent to, to prove our genuineness of faith, that we're in this for the long haul. We're in this because we love God. But if we're not careful, uh, these things that come against us that are to prove us or we're to endure, we see things in us that begin to surface that I thought maybe was dealt with or it was gone away, maybe uh, emotions or feelings. Or, and we're going to get into some of the works of the flesh that they don't just go away when you get the Holy Ghost. And this is where James is transitioning from external to internal, that he's dealing now with some of the works of the flesh and the things that we begin to struggle. And what we want to be careful is, is I don't want to... The trial comes and God allows it, but it's to make something better in me for eternity. When temptations start coming, I don't want to turn and go, well, now God's doing this too. God's not tempting me. These are things that I've got to look at internally. And God's wanting me to deal with these works of the flesh or attitudes of the flesh or behaviors of the flesh that begin to surface. So James in verse 14 says, every man's going to be tempted. These things are going to surface. Now what I do with it in that crossroad is up to me. Do I blame God for this too? And say, well now it's because of what I went through as a kid that now I'm having to deal with these things. No, what I went through as a kid might not have been my fault. Maybe I went through some abuse or maybe I, or a bad relationship or maybe a bad marriage or a bad home life, maybe domestic abuse. Those were not our fault. Those were things that as a child maybe we went through. We had nothing to do with that. But as time progresses, the byproduct is the emotional distress and things from it that God wants us to recover out of. We don't have to become a victim or that becomes our identity. So as God begins to move us out of these things and these emotions begin to surface and and, and the distresses of life come for God to make us better and recover us and heal us through these things, these emotions surface. And I don't want that to become the, okay, well now, I, let, me, let me just cut, cut the chase. I'm trying to be so calm here in my, my words. Let's just cut right, well, I'm angry because I'm, well, my daddy beat me, so I'm, you see, you see the road of thought. We begin to blame these things because of our past or situations. I am what I am because of that. No, God's allowing these things to surface in us that we can see these works of the flesh because God's given us a remedy over the works of the flesh. And James is going to get into this. He begins talking about the good gift of God that's, that, that God gives because if we're not careful, the, the hardships of life, the hardships of our past will want to make us bitter. And God never intended for us to be bitter. Temptations are going to come, whether it be external or internal. And you and I have got to recognize them for what they are that then I can look at it and say, okay, God's not doing this to destroy me. I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to look at these things in a mirror. I'm going to look at myself in a mirror and say, you know what, this is a part of myself that I've got to change. Folks, this is what I find so neat about this. This was written 2,000 years ago. And here we are, 2020, we're still seeing the same challenges of life, the same battles in humanity. There's nothing new under the sun. The battles and things that you and I face today in our own uh, dealings of the flesh, emotions, life crises, whatever you want to call it, whatever avenue we may find ourselves, there's nothing new under the sun. But God's given us a remedy. 
God's given us an answer and a hope that we can overcome these situations and circumstances. So James, he says it like this. He, he totally goes intern, to internal temptations. The real source of temptation is not God, but a person's own desires. Now you got to remember that because that's going to be key in the, the, the rest of this 14 and 15. The own, our own desires is what he's talking about here. So in life the difficulties come. Parents, children, families, whatever it may be. If we don't let the portion of the process to prove our genuineness of faith and to get us ready for the marriage and be steady. First part of all these lessons. The other alternative is we blame God for our problem and ultimately we're drawn away by something in us, our own carnal desire. That in verse 13, James is saying, don't blame God. Look at yourself internally. So I hope... I made a point of, I know that sounds a little redundant. It's like, Benoit, get off of that. You've got to get the transitional statements. And I, I don't, maybe my words, I, I want to make sure that my word I'm communicating. That's why I wrote that statement down. The other alternative is that we blame God for the problem when we're drawn away by something, our own carnal desire in verse 13. And James is saying, don't blame God. So now, let's go to 14. And the breakdown of these words. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. His own lust means desire. I know first thing you think right there. When he, James talks about lust, immediately we go to sexual sins or sexual immorality. And it is applicable in this place. But it is not just that. James, and we're going to talk about it. He's not just talking about sexual sins. He's talking about our own selfish desires that draw us away. He says, uh, every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The word enticed means to bait. When he is drawn away of his own lust, that together phrase is to have a desire for like a fish drawn out. The temptation is due to a person's own desire. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So basically the, the bait, it's like a hook. And your desire is that hook that hooks you and I. So what James is showing us here, and this was such insight for me. It's, it, this is the part, I'm going to say this real carefully. Because our world, our psychology and all of the things, and I, I thank God for modern medicines and, 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 and our medical professionals, even the psychologists and on and so forth that have done their work to study. But if we're not careful, this whole mindset that says, I don't want to look at myself as the problem, that's a bunch of bunk. <laughs> How do you like that for being blunt? You know, we have adopted, well, I don't want to be the problem. No, we need to look at ourselves as the problem because notice, he don't say Satan in this. We have relegated and blamed God and we've blamed Satan and we've never looked at ourselves as the, the, our own selfish desire. Not lust. Again, get, let your mind just kind of broaden a little bit in our thinking. And I know he's saying lust, but he's saying selfish desire. That encompasses a lot. That's not just my selfish desire. I can be selfish because I want it my way and not your way. 
selfish desire. That's not just meaning a lustful or a sexual sin. That's selfish desire too when you commit adultery or you commit fornication. That is selfish desire. You're, you're taking of something that that's, you shouldn't take of. That's one venue. But let's now look at another venue. What about selfish desire about just in my marriage or in my family? It's all about me. Is there anybody in the family that, uh, we bless God, we got to do it daddy's way because if we don't do it daddy's way, we're all going to be miserable. Boy, if we don't do it mama's way, we're going to be miserable because there's a mama or there's a daddy or there's a child. I know children that run a family. Selfish desire. I don't know what it is, where it comes from, how it all happens, where they... Those are questions I'm not going to answer. You ask God about those. But selfish desire is what he's talking about right here. And he said it's a hook and a bait that if we don't get a hold to it, Verse 15 tells us the end thereof. He said it's going to lead you away into ultimately sin and then death. You ever wonder how somebody gets to a place of sin? James has given us the answer. It's selfish desire. It's not just, and I know I keep going back to this because I've read these scriptures for for many, many years. And I've looked at this and man, immediately, James, when you see lust, you think of these things. And I'm not, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not negating these, these sexual sins that can be a problem. That is a big problem of perversion that we're dealing with in this end time. But we need to look at this as a, that's a venue. This is a venue. That's a venue. But let's go back to the source, the hub. I wish I, I had a marker board. I, I would draw a circle and then I'd put out these, these venues or roads that we travel out. Well, you could go all the way back to the garden and Eve. What was the issue with Eve? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I, I want to come back one day and maybe, maybe I may do it here later on or something and, and teach just on those three venues because all the sins that you and I uh, commit, face, we've seen in life, they all go back to those three venues. Pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. And here's what we'll do. Like this lesson here today, we, we may look at it and say, well, I, and that's why I keep going back to these other, we'll just, well, I don't do that. Well, I don't do this. Wherever there's selfish desire, there's a problem. And that's what James is trying to tell the people that you and I have got to look at these things. Temptation is due to a person's own desire. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. I wish I could have, I should have maybe wrote down exactly how they explained the bait and to entice is to bait and your own desire, that hook. Because what happens is it's your desire. He's drawn away. When every man is tempted, he is baited and hooked by his own desire. It's not the devil. Now, I'm not negating that the devil would put a something there in your path. But it all goes back to right here. Something that was already in me. James does not identify the source of temptation. I thought that was very notable. He does not tell the source of temptation. Which to me speaks of the same thing in the garden with Eve. It never told the fruit. That's why to me James and, 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 and the book of Genesis in Genesis uh, chapter 2 or 3, chapter 3 of Genesis where Eve goes to the tree and there 
the serpent. The word serpent, I've said this many times, but the word serpent means cunning, crafty, subtle. It does not mean like what you and I commonly think. We think of a serpent. Immediately our mind goes to a copperhead or a king cobra and, and there he was in the tree. That's not what was there. It was something very subtle, very... Uh, I, I've got my own uh, belief of what it was. It was something that she was familiar with and she obviously felt comfortable enough to approach that tree. But it never named the fruit because everybody has their own desires and selfish desires that they've got to deal with in their own self. But you'll notice that the, in James, he never mentioned uh, the temptation because you and I have our own battles that we face each other individually. I want to read a scripture here. I'm going to keep my place there in James, but I want to read uh, two scriptures. Romans chapter 7 and verse 17. Paul to the church in Rome gives a little bit of an understanding of this battle that's going on within. And again, I said it in the beginning, this is the part that uh, might not be conducive to modern pop psychology because modern pop psychology wants to look at everything else to blame why we are what we are. Look at the garden again. When she took of the tree, God comes down. The blame game begins. This is nothing new. No, there's a mindset out there that wants you and I to blame our problems for what somebody else did to us or what somebody else did. Uh, and look at what Eve did. God comes down and says, who told you to eat? Well, Adam blames her, blames the serpent. There's always the pushing and the conferring. So when the temptation comes... There's never that inward look and saying, okay, it was because of my own selfish desire that I partook of this thing. Instead, it's easier for me to blame this. Well, Paul and James says the same thing. Don't blame. Look at myself. Look at what Paul faced in verse 17 of chapter 7 of Romans. He said, now then, it is more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul's not saying he's sinning right here. He's saying there is an inclination. There's a nature in me. This is people that have already received the Holy Ghost. That's the beautiful thing of having the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is just not a one-time shot. I got the Holy Ghost, yay, I talked in tongues. Yes, and if God comes in that moment after you get the Holy Ghost, hey, you, you got the, the indwelling paraclete, you got the comforter, you got the Spirit of Christ now in you, that if the coming of the Lord takes place, you got something to quicken your mortal body. But if it don't happen right then, between now and the time that it's going to happen, I've got to deal with this element of, of, of an old man is what what many times, many of the old commentators used to call it, the old nature that's still inside of me. And Paul's saying, it's still there in me. I still got this nature in me. Though I got the Holy Ghost, there's still a part of me that wars back and forth. The good part about having the Holy Ghost is if I lend more to it, I pray in the Holy Ghost. I fast. I do these things that I know will, will, will increase more of the presence of God with me. Less of me, more of God. The battle will be won and I won't fall prey to sin or these selfish desires. Paul said in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is, he defines it, it's my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He's saying there's a battle and my problem is my flesh. Paul didn't blame Satan. He didn't blame 
his past. He didn't blame what people did to him. He looked at himself and said, I'm the problem. My flesh is the problem. I need to deal with this. I wonder what would happen to many, and this is just a parenting thing. I wonder what would happen. Uh, you know, I, I know when I was uh, growing up uh, and, and I was wrong, my parents called it out for what it was. You're wrong. You can't do You can't steal. You can't cheat people. You can't lie. And if you lie, now here again, I'm videoed here, so I got to be so careful. Uh, I didn't get put in time out. Little Johnny got locked up. I had to go to your room and sit there and think about what you did. No, I went to my room. I thought about what I did, but then I knew what was coming down the hall. I was going to probably get a good switching on my backside to help me remember. I cannot do that again. See, these elements that, that we, we, we don't want to accept that this is why my life is the way it is. And I wonder if many times I, I've talked with elder preachers about this. Is this why conviction is not felt in our churches no more? We can't feel the conviction of God because we won't look at ourselves and say, I'm a sinner. I messed up. I failed God. I'm an adulterer. I'm a fornicator. I'm a gossiper. I'm not uh, damning people that make mistakes. What I'm saying is we've got to realize it's my own selfish desires that are, being, that, are, that are pulling on me to, I just want it. I'm going to take it, just like even the fruit. It looked good, so I took it. Her selfish desire reached out and took what was forbidden for her to take. The devil didn't make her do it. All he was was just a, a good salesman to a piece of fruit that's already there. My desire is what causes me to take of that. And here Paul says, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Here's the great apostle Paul saying, This wasn't license for, for you and I to, Oh, well, Paul struggled, so no, it's an encouragement. If Paul struggled, the great apostle Paul who wrote majority of the New Testament books, he said, that which I know not to do, I do. And that which I know I should do, I don't do. And he says, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. Man, you talk about a tongue, twist, tongue twister here. But sin, that dwelleth in me. So now he brings it right back to where it is. He hasn't committed the sin. But there is an inclination. I'm going to break it down. A, a selfish desire to sin. I find then a law that which would do good, evil's present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Here it is. Warring against the law of my mind bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He said, there's a war in me. I got the Holy Ghost in me saying, don't do that. Hold, stop. Don't be selfish in your desires. Let's bring it kind of where, think of others, love one another, love your brother as you love yourself, love God with all your heart. Basically, what is that saying? Give what selfish say? Hold. You see the war? God's saying, give unto me worship. Give unto me praise. Give. That's why somebody that, that struggles in worship and praise, there's something selfish there. 
There's something within them that refrains them from responding. I'm not saying you got to shout or you got to flip or you're not a runner. That's okay. You don't have to be a runner. But some expression, if it's Jesus, I love you. God, I love you. Whatever that expression may be, I don't want my selfish desires of what people think about me to restrain what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's give to God praise and worship and servitude, uh, whatever capacity that may be. And here's where Paul sums it up. Oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> that's a part that's hard. Look at myself in the mirror and go, oh, you. <laughs> like Doc Hughes will, Doc, Dr. Hughes will say sometimes, just say I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm a jerk. I look in the mirror. I was mean today. I was a jerk. Don't do that no more. Accept that, Scott. Don't do that no more. See, then mercy can step in. Then the goodness of God can step in. You and I are never going to be perfect. We're never. Until we get to heaven, that's when we'll be perfect. But until then, we're going to deal with mistakes. And when trials and internal, external problems come, I don't want to look at all of this and blame God. I don't want to blame the devil. I'd rather look at myself and say, you know what? This is a chance for me to look internally at some things in me and say, God, I need help with this. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I, I smoked a Marlboro last week. I, whatever it may be. God, your word, here's another one. Your word came to me and I rejected it. God, I felt conviction to worship. I felt you, you drawing me to praise. I felt you wanting me to, to, to run or roll on the floor or teach a Bible study or teach Sunday school. Or I felt you drawing me to a place of servitude, but I rejected it. Listen, we're all going to make mistakes. God's going to speak and we're going to reject. We make mistakes because of our selfish desire. What we've got to do is realize it's a selfish desire and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me. Because listen, it don't go away. And if you and I will look at it for what it is, let God help us. That's what the Holy Ghost is for, is to change me and you into more of Him. That these things will never go away, but maybe they will get less and less and less. I think of old pioneer preachers that were so kind and so gentle, but so powerful in authority in the Spirit. You know what the answer I found with them was? They found this right here. There's a part of me that's never going to want to do good, but I've got to keep myself in a place that God can keep working on me. Help me, God. I'm never going to be perfect, and I'm going to make the mistakes. Oh, wretched man that I am, but God will help me. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Notice, Paul closes with death. Same thing James is going to close with a little bit later in verse 15, which I can tell you right now I ain't going to get to because I want to read another scripture. Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. And I can tell you right now, this is probably where I'm going to stop. Galatians chapter uh, 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse... Where did I mark it? 16. Paul, speaking to the church of Galatia, he says this, but if you're led by the Spirit, there it is, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law couldn't change you. The law was a schoolmaster. 
All the law could do was teach. I've got to have the other component. I've got to have the spirit of it all. Paul said, you've got to be led of the spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are manifested. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means lack of restraint. Do we not see that today? Lack of restraint. It's a work of the flesh. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Let me tell you about witchcraft. I know you've heard me make comments about it in the pulpit. Witchcraft. Here's how witchcraft starts. Witchcraft starts in the flesh. It, it starts as a work of the flesh. And I'll later date, maybe come in more detail and give you more scripture for it. But it starts as a work of the flesh that begins to bully in a kind way. It's, it's, a, it's a work of the flesh where I get my way by trying to manipulate you. Here's how people can manipulate. They can make you feel sorry for them. They can make you do something. They're looking for a response. So they will manipulate you to make you feel sorry for them. It's the beginning stages of witchcraft because there's a part in them that's insecure. And God wants to heal that insecurity. And because they don't want to let God heal that insecurity, they will begin to let or begin to manipulate other people to fulfill through a work of the flesh that own fulfilling or security. So witchcraft begins as a work of the flesh. I begin to manipulate you. You can manipulate people with anything that you feel you have they want. That could be money. People can manipulate by money. They can say, well, I'm going to not do this with my money because of that. That's the beginning stages. It's a work of the flesh of witchcraft. They can manipulate with money. They can manipulate with their prestige. They can manipulate with their power and affluence in a community. It can start by witchcraft where they begin to use their power of the flesh. Money, um, a last name, um, uh, anything that can use to manipulate. If we're not careful, the work of the flesh that starts because of a selfish desire. Again, it's the same thing James talking about. If I'm not careful, I'm going to allow my own selfish desire to manipulate. Here's what he says. Or here's what happens. It turns then into demonic. Now, I'm not going to qualify it because I'm, I'm out of time here. I want to stop here. But what he's saying is if you don't get a hold of these works of the flesh, and I'm talking about witchcraft now, what happens is you become an open door. That's why Jesus, the enemy came. He said, I have nothing in common with the enemy. There was nothing in Jesus. There was no selfish desire within him that when the tempter did come or the Satan did come, there was nothing in common. His desires had been crucified. His will had been already... The Calvary took place in Gethsemane. That's why he passed the test. So these desires have got to be crucified within me. That's the answer and the antidote. If I'm not careful, these selfish fleshly desires, the enemy then will begin to capitalize on that and it will become, we become basically an open door to the demonic world. And you hear many times, witchcraft is not a witch with a broom and a, and a pointed hat or a sorcerer. Many times we think of a warlock and those things are real and that is an element of witchcraft. But James is dealing with stuff in the church. 
He ain't dealing with warlocks. He ain't dealing with warts, witch, witches of warts. <laughs> you tell what I'm thinking about, warts on a witch's nose. <laughs> He's not dealing with the witch of indoor like what Saul dealt with. He's dealing with stuff in the church. He said, these are the works of the flesh that if you and I don't get them under control, it'll become something demonic down the road. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. These are works of the flesh. Seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit. Oh, this is too rich. I'm going to have to come back for all this. I just feel we need to talk about this a little bit more. Let's, let's close with 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own selfish desire. Listen, we're getting to the part where James is trying to help us. James trying to give us understanding. That listen, external, internal things are going to come. Let's call it for what it is. Let's bring it to an altar of repentance. Let's, let's pray now like we've never prayed before. Let's fast like we've never fasted before. Let's get serious about living for God like never before because I said it on Sunday. I'm going to say it again. The coming of the Lord is close. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. And the best part about all of this, God don't want you and I to miss it. He's for us. He's giving us strength to overcome these battles and struggles that you and I face. God would never put more on you than you can bear. That, that almost is my coin scripture. You hear me say it probably almost every service or every other message I preach. I'll, I'll quote it. Why? Because I've been in places where it seemed like I couldn't take much more. But God always came through and helped me go through it, make it, change things in me that ultimately I can be more pleasing to Him. That's what it's all about. That's what living for God's all about. And that the joy that God has for you and I, there is a joy God could give us while we live earthside. I'm ready for God to give it to me. I need joy. I want you to have joy. Because listen, there's a target in the end, and it's going to be heaven, and we're all going to make it together. I love every one of you. I want God to help us and strengthen us. I want us to pray right now in dismissal of this Bible study. Jesus, your word tonight has penetrated my heart. I pray, God, it's touched people's heart that is watching this video. That, God, the objective in all of this is that we would just become a true son and child of God for you. That we would please you. That we would be more effective in your kingdom, God. Because I realize as the hour comes to a close, God, that the challenges we're facing to reach people is greater than I've ever seen before. God, I need every resource that your word has. I need to be everything in your word that I can be for you to reach the people that you have marked for this end time. God, help us as a congregation to impact our community, our state, our world. Reach people that are lost. God, help us to do that through your word. I ask it today. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. I love every one of you.